This is the episode where I get to call all of you lambs. Episode where I'm gonna have the most fun creating this and producing this and writing this. Oh my gosh, that's gonna be so fun, darling. I literally cannot wait. I literally have been waiting so long for this episode to be released and finally it is happening. What's up, everybody? Hey, lambs. Welcome to another episode of A Butterfly in the Making. This is going to be about the Mariah Carey phase. This is the only episode where I, like, I get to call you lambs because it actually pertains to the title of the episode. <sighs> so that's exciting. Okay, let's get started. So I was working um, at Altitude Trampoline Park. It was December of 2021, and I hated this job with a passion. I mean, it was fun, but honestly, I didn't really like it. So, like, I begrudged going to work and stuff. You know, like, I was good at my job, but, like, I just really didn't care about it. And I craved my breaks where I could purchase a shrimp taco or, like, chicken quesadilla at the nearby Mexican restaurant, my favorite place to be. Um, you know, the staff was so kind and family-like and at work. You know, I would get, like, these small moments of joy. And one of those moments came on a Saturday as I was working on the floor and I heard Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. It was blasting through the speakers. My face lit up with a smile as I attempted to lip sync to the lyrics. I was fairly new to this Mariah Carey phase and didn't quite remember all the lyrics to this particular song but I loved it and that made my day. It made those little bit of hours I had left to work just a little bit more bearable. You see, being in the Mariah Carey phase has not just been about the music, it has been about a release of emotions, darling. A liberation of sort, a sense of healing and feeling like I'm not alone. My experiences and interpretations of the world are met and also life, are met with understanding and grace. It's a phase where I felt the most seen and acknowledged for who I am and what I love. This has been a phase like no other. Contrary to my prior musical phases, it has been the most personal and the most comforting. It has been the most fun. Well, competition with Selena, I gotta say. Um, it has been a year and four months here in this phase, but a part of me knows that I'll never actually leave it. Mariah Carey means more to me than just a vase, more to me than just the music or the whistles or the high notes. I feel seen, understood, emancipated, free, and most of all, happy. It all started in early November as the Selena phase was coming to an end, as I was slowly transitioning to a new artist. I was in the kitchen cooking out my favorite meal for dinner, spaghetti, and had Mariah Carey playing. It was the live version of Hero at Madison Square Garden in 1995. As I watched the performance while simultaneously cutting the sausage, I don't know what you like to put in your spaghetti, maybe a sausage, maybe it's meatballs, whatever. Um, but my mom, she entered the kitchen and she exhaled Finally, she knew that I knew that I had entered a new phase and began singing along to Hero, saying this is her song. 
Mariah Carey's voice was absolutely sublime. She asked me about other songs like If I'd Gotten To Always Be My Baby Yet. Do 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 do. Or My All, which I said no, of course, because like I hadn't gotten to those songs. One thing about me for sure is that when it comes to these musical phases, I start from the beginning. So I start from their first album. I don't just like jump into like a random song or one of their most popular songs into their discography. Like I actually spend time like going from the first to the last album. Mariah Carey's mononymous debut album, the first single, Vision of Love, you know, I mean, absolutely amazing. I hit play in the haunting intro along with her deep low note, which was a C3, which is very, very low. Um, and, you know, it just, it started off the album and it officially began the Mariah Carey phase. Those beautiful lyrics, the gospel-like singing, the soulful belting, a C7 whistle, which is freaking insane in the background. Melisma runs to close out the song. I mean, I was just blown away. I mean, Vision of Love was amazing, was definitely a powerful way to open up an album. Because people began doubting Mariah Carey's singing abilities and dubbed her essentially as only a studio artist, she did a live album on MTV Unplugged and opened with her number one hit, Emotions. The new gospel-influenced intro just shut critics up immediately because it was obviously clear that she could sing and she was not just a studio artist. Her voice was insane. And that album, the seven songs on it, was my third vinyl and became my favorite album for like a very long time. From emotions to if it's over, a very powerful vocal presence filled with deep, rich lows and growls and vocal intensity, quick runs, a glass-shattering A6 whistle, and very emotive F5s was also one of my favorite songs of hers, of course. Um, I tried to sing that song multiple times and my vocal cords just hated me for it because it would just hurt. It would start to hurt. My throat would start to swell up. That's going to be a consistent theme throughout this episode. Um, Someday, uh, Vision of Love, Make It Happen, um, and Can't Let Go were also amazing. I loved the live renditions of those songs. And usually when I'm going through a phase, I let everyone know about it, whether it's indirectly or directly. Everyone's got to know. And so one Sunday in February, my brother Zach and I were in the living room and he wanted to watch Mariah. I wasn't surprised because, you know, he would ask to watch Selena when I was in that phase just a couple of months prior. And when Emotions, the MTV Unplugged live version played, even he was taken aback by her vocal agility and, you know, resonance. So that was Zach um, listening to, 
listening to Mariah Carey in February. Once again, sorry for my raspy voice. I've been talking a lot because I've been making lots of these episodes, you know, because we're on like a little bit of a, what is it called? Like a midwinter break here. Um, and so I've been making lots of these episodes, but also singing too. Um, but yeah, that was a very fun time. And as you can tell at the beginning, he's like, what the freak? She can't even take a breath. Because, like, she was literally going and going and going with this agility, which is super crazy, inhumane, um, inhuman. But in late November, um, I bought a black journal from Burlington and would document, like, everything in it. And this is an entry from early October um, about the Mariah Carey phase. Quote, I'm on the Charm Bracelet album by Mariah. I started listening to her in November. Captivated, I instantly became a fan. I'm part of the Lamberley Noun, LOL. I've listened to these albums, Mariah Carey, her first studio album, then Emotions, followed by Music Box, Merry Christmas, Daydream, Butterfly, Rainbow, and now I'm on number nine. I just love her so much. Can't wait to get more Mariah vinyls, building my collection, and almost forgot I also finished the Glitter album too. I was getting through the albums pretty quickly from debut to emancipation by early February. It wouldn't be until five months later in the phase that I would get to her next album. In this phase, I've had to do something a little bit differently called eras. And you know, like when an artist comes out with an album, there's going to be like that era of that album. Well, essentially, I do the same thing in my phases, except, you know, the era could take like weeks or months. I could also end up like reappreciating an album and then go back into that era. And so, um, you know, I've done that a couple of times. But I was not only drawn to Mariah for her music, but also her candor, her charisma, her personality, and also her impeccable songwriting abilities, something that makes her stand out from others. She actually writes her own songs. And whereas, you know, some people just go into the studio and just sing what's in front of them, Mariah actually takes the time to write and produce her records. And that too was, you know, inspiring and very impressive. And being in this phase, you know, has, has kept me comfort. I felt like, you know, she was my extended family. The, the older sibling I never had but so desperately yearned for and essentially needed. Little did I know, being in the Mariah Carey phase, you know, the worst, best, and most emotional moments of my life were ahead. And the Lord, and also Mariah's music, would be a constant source of comfort and security during those times. Treated me kind, sweet as a carried me through desperation. On September 16, 1997, Mariah Carey released her studio album, Butterfly. She hails it today as her magnus opus, one of her most personal albums lyrically and in terms of the different vocal style being more vulnerable, sultry, and intimate. When I first listened to this album, I will tell you that I was mystified and somewhat irritated with the sound, only because her whispery vocals were so hard to interpret, I was like, what is she doing? But months later, it would become apparent that this was not only my favorite album, but my safe place. Emotional comfort, and it really is a timeless masterpiece. Butterfly is a no-skips album. I literally can still listen to that album today from the top to the bottom with no problem, no annoyance. That's my favorite album. I remember getting off from the pool, um, working in the summer, and just listening to that album to essentially... Um, 
decompress in the afternoons, in the evenings. And it was just very, very like melodically pleasing and comforting to the soul, especially after taking a shower and just eating dinner and just relaxing. From her first to fifth album, I was pretty much used to ballad Mariah. But 1997 was a major change in her life, from daydream to butterfly. There was a huge change in her life personally and professionally. Mariah divorced her husband, her abusive husband, whose name we will not be said on this show because it is not worth mentioning. They were married from 1993 to 1996. He was pretty much the head of her record label. And the marriage was very abusive and controlling. Being that Mariah suffered from childhood trauma, she felt almost imprisoned and stuck. She describes herself as feeling very depressed and masking during those years. Daydream, however, was marked the beginning, essentially marked the beginning of more creative freedoms that she was given, so more of what she liked. Mariah is also mixed, and the record label promoted her in a way that was racially ambiguous, preferably white, and felt like her releasing contemporary ballads would be best for her public image and career, and also the curly hair, of course. She initially went along with it as her career was just starting, but eventually broke free, and that is when we got Butterfly. An album that figuratively and ligator <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> An album that figuratively and literally means her freedom. It's a beautiful collection of 12 songs composed into this heartbreaking, soul-crushing, melancholy, alluring, romantic, elusive masterpiece. Butterfly. The Butterfly album begins with the voluptuous honey, then effortlessly transitions into the emotionally liberating ballad Butterfly. Then the yearning and romantic vehemence of Mayal soothes the air but tugs at the heart. From there we get the hip-hop influenced The Roof into the dreamy and romantic 4th of July and Breakdown follows, a timeless and authentic heartbreak track. Baby Doll, Close My Eyes, Fly Away, The Beautiful Ones, and Outside Follow. Every song is a masterpiece. From the moment you hit play and enter, there is no escaping. Butterfly is just that amazing. I love Baby Doll, love Close My Eyes, Fly Away is a jam, and the cover of The Beautiful Ones is as emotive and powerful as it sounds. Outside though, that's just another realm. Honestly, Butterfly is just transcendent. Hey 
Hey Butterfly fans, I have another podcast called The Jeremiah Patterson Show. On The Jeremiah Patterson Show, I provide listeners with an in-depth reporting on current news events. The show begins with a contextual monologue providing listeners with a thorough comprehension of the news. Also, historical analogies are made in reference to current events. The show is structured with in-depth segments on the news. Also, special reports and exclusive interviews are orchestrated to add individual perspectives. I have been podcasting on that show for four years now and honestly, it is a joy it is pleasure it's amazing so go check out the jeremiah patterson show new episodes every saturday and sunday available on anchor apple spotify and wherever else you find your podcast Throughout Mariah Carey's career, there has been one lingering question. What are you? Although it could conceivably be meant in good conscience, it is inhuman and disrespectful. And Mariah spoke about it in an interview and about how it was always, what are you instead of who are you? From the beginning of her career, her record label marketed her as mainly white. So this made her racial identity ambiguous. But she wasn't just white, she's mixed. Mariah Carey was born on March 27, 1970, to a mother of Irish descent and a father of Black and Venezuelan heritage. She endured a traumatic and pernicious childhood full of pain, abandonment, and isolation. Her former siblings, as she references them, played a major role, a major part in that. She witnessed her father and brother get into violent, vicious body slamming fights. Her brother slammed her mom to the ground and speed off. Her sister inflicting her with third degree burns and attempting to sell her out to a pimp. Fights at Christmas time. I mean, it really was a harrowing childhood. In her memoir, you can read more on that topic as she divulges more into that topic. She speaks about how being biracial growing up was something that she felt no one could relate to. She felt alone and like an outsider looking in. Her siblings were also mixed and endured trauma from racism. And when Mariah was just 12, she went to sleepover in a fancy suburban neighborhood where these group of white girls, whom she thought were her friends at the time, cornered her and repeatedly called her the N-word and again. She says that, quote, nobody could fully understand my experience. This is what's so amazing to me because I grew up a color girl. I mean, literally, when we were called colored colored girls. And, you know, being dark skinned is a whole nother issue. But um, I would have all, you know, when I would see somebody like you, I would, my initial impression would be, you know, first of all, I wouldn't know what nationality or race right. you were, but my impression based upon your skin color or even hearing that you were biracial is that 
you would have had this perfectly wonderful life, mm -hmm. that everything would go well for you, right. that you would be pretty, that everybody would look at you and say, what a pretty person. I would never have imagined mm -hmm. that you would have felt like an outcast. Right. And that is true that you felt like an outcast. I definitely felt like an outcast. I don't know if it was an outcast, but I felt completely different. I felt like there was nobody who could fully understand my experience because my brother and sister are a lot older than me. They went through their own drama, which was a lot worse than mine um, because my parents were married when they were together. And so that was a whole, a whole different set of things that happened to them. And also, we, we, I gave a picture. I don't know if they have it of my brother and I mm -hmm. um, when I was little. But um, that. that, yeah. But um, we all look different. But what I felt was that no friend, nobody I grew up with, nobody in school could even come close to relating to my experience because you feel different. I wrote a song about it on the Butterfly album called Outside, and it's about feeling ambiguous and without a sense of belonging. Like, like you said, you know, the issues people have when they're, you know, in. Intra-racism yeah, issues of yeah. being brown skin, darker than... Even just within the black community, if you're light-skinned, right. if you're dark-skinned, there's all different issues that everybody goes through. That a lot of white people don't know about because they go, y'all all are black, so what's the big thing? Exactly, yeah. but, but there are. But so for, for me, definitely, you know, growing up the way that I did, um, I felt, in, you know, inside, and I never really expressed it to very many people, like I wasn't good enough, like I was, you know, I didn't look like one particular group or another. I wasn't exactly the same. Also, I had kind of- Also, you looked even different than your own brothers and sisters. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we look related, definitely. I mean, we all look, we all, you can tell we're brother and sister, but I mean, they didn't live with me very long when I was growing up, so it wasn't like I had you know, people that we, we could completely relate to. That's why I- Well, I this is an issue, and you are a role model, you do know that, for a lot of biracial children, girls especially. You know that. I feel like that's the most, I've gotten letters, I tried to find them for today's show, but I feel like that's the most important, if I've done anything, forget breaking any records, forget doing anything, because I didn't have a role model as an interracial person growing up. And to, when people send me letters like that, that say, you know, you have made me feel like it's okay to be mixed, it's okay to be who I am, you know, um, that is my one accomplishment, I think, if I've done anything, you know. You've done a lot. Right, Carrie. So prepare yourselves. We're about to have a little moment here, a little big moment, um, a little festive moment. This next section here is something that's going to be incredible. So I want to prepare you, all of you lambs. All of you are lambs for this episode. If you're not one, you are non one officially. Okay, so um, songs that you should definitely listen to about Mariah Carey. Um, Breakdown, I'm kidding, just listen to the entire Butterfly album. Breakdown is on it. It's great because um, there is lots of vocal layering, which Mariah Carey does. Not many people know that she does vocal layering, but she layers her vocals. She has been doing that since the beginning of time, literally since 1990 when she first came out. Um, also listen to the roof on that album. It's, oh my gosh. Also 4th of July. Oh my gosh, I could get into a whole thing here. But, you know, just listen to Mariah Carey's whole discography. Like, it's it's a mass. It's so massive. It's gargantuan, you know. You'll just be stuck listening to it. Who knows? You might fall into it for, like, a whole year like I did. Like, I still am. Who knows? And then... <laughs> 
Mariah Carey's remixes are also expansive. That's kind of why I'm still in this phase because I haven't finished the remixes yet. Um, her concerts are just as amazing, if not better, than her studio vocals. I mean, I mean, come on. What do you expect? It's Mariah Carey. But yes, um, I have loved this phase so much. Um, and it's definitely not just a phase in music. Uh, this is also a phase essentially in relatability. Many people tend to like joke about like, oh my gosh, he listens to Mariah Carey. You're a male. What? Um, you know, listening to Mariah Carey is not something I feel that should essentially be associated with like um, being like effeminate, I guess you could say. Um, I feel like, you know, Mariah Carey is like a renowned, you know, name essentially. Like even if you're not um, a... a a female like you would typically listen to mariah carey like in the holidays and you're like all i want for christmas is you like that's a that's a very popular song around during that time um but what i will say is um mariah carey's music has just you know it's changed lives it's saved lives as well and that's something i'm going to be discussing a little bit more in episode in the next episode after this called the beautiful ones and then we'll finally delve into this new season of A Butterfly in the Making. Um, but I'm very excited about this new journey ahead. And I just wanted to say to you all, um, go spend some time in Mariah Carey's discography. Pick some random songs, especially the Charm Bracelet album and Glitter and Caution and, and Rainbow. And just, just go listen to everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she really is great in the aspect of, you know, singing and just you know, more than that as well. Um, but, you know, Mariah Carey is definitely someone that's underrated in terms of her songwriting abilities. She writes all of her songs except for covers. Once again, not many people recognize that because they think she's just a diva and divas don't write their songs. But she does. Um, and, you know, her songs are poetic, very, very poetic, like Fourth of July on um, pedals um, outside and that's, I guess that's kind of what helped me kind of get into poetry and stuff and kind of like liking poetry and like writing poetry for like this podcast. My girlfriend also is fantastic at writing poems. Like, honestly, it's just, I'm honestly constantly astonished because her poetry is just unparalleled and like just incandescently beautiful. Yes. So I would also like to say before we get into this little moment here, um, because we're going to have a moment, I would like to say that um, just because I'm talking about Mariah Carey does not mean that she's just the Christmas lady. Goodness. Yes. All I want for Christmas is you. Yes, she has two Christmas albums. Not many people know that once again, but I'm not going to talk about all I want for Christmas is you and her Christmas, the Christmas part of her discography until we get to December, because we have to have a festive moment there. Probably November 1st, because that's when I first start celebrating Christmas. Forget Thanksgiving. <laughs> So, yes. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for listening to me rant. I was on a tangent for like four minutes, but here's the moment. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's really actually a special occasion. I mean, what else am I supposed to do? Sometimes you just have fun and the ride never stops. So yes, I'm still here, rolling with Mariah a year later. At the beginning I said a year and four months later, that's because this is recorded in February. But you know what? It has kept me so much comfort, solace, it has brought me joy, new incorporated dancing skills, even though I can't dance, fun, laughter, healing to my inner child, and the trauma past and present that he still feels. I'm going through a transformation into an unknown but certain emancipation. And this phase has helped me beyond words, and for that I'll be eternally grateful keeping it close and remaining a lamb unabashedly. I will also say here that, you know, the Mariah Carey phase has been quite expansive. Let's just talk about her vocal range for a second. I mean, a G5 is her highest belted note, um, F2 is her lowest note, and then an A7 is her highest whistle. What? <laughs> Also, Mariah Carey's background vocals are really, really quite sublime. Mariah Carey is, um, it's something underrated because no one really knows that she does this unless you're like a lamb, which is like her fans. But Mariah Carey layers her vocals. She actually spends time in the studio, not only writing the song, not only producing the song, but also spending time in the studio layering her vocals. And her vocal layers are layering is so sublime. Like in a song like Always Be My Baby, Mariah Carey's in the background vocals. In Fantasy, she's in the background vocals. Listen, you have to really, really listen to her vocals. And We Belong Together, which is a big sensational hit, of course. Her background vocals are layered. That's Mariah in the background. Like, honestly, it's just ethereal. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just subtle nuances in her music that I notice. And like, it's, it's just, it's fantastic. Um, I lost my voice in this phase quite some time. Um, I remember this one time in August, I went to the movie theater with my girlfriend and I, my voice is like super raspy. Um, I also like really can not talk cause I was too busy trying to do whistle notes. <laughs> I will say the highest whistle note I've gotten so far in this phase um, that has not been pushed was a C7. So, you know, that's it's pretty high. It's great. It's good. But, you know, on a regular day, it's probably going to be like an F6 or an E6. Um, but, yeah, you know. Um, style influences. Mariah Carey's style throughout the years has just been incredible i'm not sure what i meant when i wrote that down as like one of the things to talk about um but my love of butterflies definitely came from this phase and it became even more sentimental after my baby brother gabriel passed away and went to heaven and i'm gonna be talking about that on the next episode called the beautiful ones and being a lamb darling is just the most exciting thing ever and i'm just so 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 grateful for all of you to listening to this episode of a butterfly in the making have a wonderful day this face has forever changed my life honestly i just don't know how you know how i'd be what i'd do if i didn't find it but this face has brought lots of good into my life including helping me fall in love so you know what i think i think we're gonna dip now oh the music has stopped all right thank you everyone for listening have a great day love you much Mwah.